We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. As always, I am joined by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz. Sean, we are delighted today, we are continuing our trend of great guests, and of course we are going to be joined in just a moment by John Daigle of 4 for 4. Looking forward to talking to him today about best ball topics, and then I'm hoping to get him back for a Saturday show, and if we do that we will be talking NFL draft prospects with him, but Sean... Exciting to get these great guests on the show and have a fun time talking with them. Really looking forward to today's show. We are. Today is FFPC Cut Down Thursday. If you're in a Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty League or their normal Dynasty offering, you have to get down to your 16 players today, which creates a lot of it creates a, an element that is so fun in terms of the different tactical elements of getting down. Who do you want to keep? Who do you have to let go if you have more than 16 good players? And then how do you mix that with future picks and what you're going to do in the current draft? One of the things that's so fun about these FFPC drafts and being seven-round drafts is that those seven rounds matter, right? They're going to refill your roster. You're going to have rookies, but you're also going to have some veterans in there. Ben and I did a show yesterday on kind of this mix of objectives the tension between these different goals and the strategies you have to employ to accomplish them so check that out get over to the ffpc the 77 dollar leagues are now open and there are also a few orphans at the higher levels that are still there orphans are fantastic leagues to number one right you can actually get these up and competitive much faster than most people believe and the number two it takes a little bit of the pressure off you you didn't build this team you're not responsible for the bad things that have happened to it and it allows you to rebuild and practice rebuilding and reloading in a way that'll make you better at your other leagues so consider those they've been a lot of fun to play and we're looking forward to the next wave of rv triflex leagues this offseason yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to dive into some of those. I think we need to get a, a road of his OT Triflex League uh, up and running. I know there was some interest from the listeners. If you're interested in that, send a message my way. But we're going to jump in now. We're going to get John on the show. We're going to talk through some best ball topics. A lot of stuff to cover. But John, as always, it's a, a pleasure to have you on the show. 
I wish there would have been more of an off season in between this. It seems like we've all been working around the clock, but it's been interesting. The rosters have changed completely essentially across the board. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to diving back in wholeheartedly into best ball season into dynasty teams because the shakeups have been interesting. Well, John, you mentioned best ball and this year, the one one is pretty controversial, right? Ben and I have debated Christian McCaffrey versus Taylor on stealing bananas. Denny made the case last week for Justin Jefferson as the wide receiver one, not necessarily the overall one-on-one, but Colin and I took Cooper Cup ahead of Taylor on our live OT draft. And of course, Travis Kelsey remains in the mix. And depending on how you think the Chiefs offense is going to shake out, maybe even more in the mix. Now, who should be the 101 in 2022? It's going to be a true combatant situation with Travis Kelsey since we're also fighting his age regression. But the opportunities there after Tyreek Hill was traded to Miami. Uh, it's an interesting question because I actually think and this is a, you know, I was supposed to have a assertive opinion and not be political here. I genuinely, with the one first overall pick this year, want to diversify myself. I want to pick a lot of different players between JT and CMC, as both of you already mentioned. Cooper Cup, I think Jamar Chase is up there. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be my wide receiver one, like Denny as well, for the opportunity and change in offense. Uh, I'm working on my best ball tiers currently for four four behind the scenes. They'll be released next week if you're listening to this over the weekend. And so I'm still trying to adjust everything accordingly. And then also, I want to make a big case genuinely for number one overall, because if you're drafting a receiver, that's where it gets interesting with the three guys I named, because I think they're positive and cons for all. I also think Stephon Diggs should be up there. And this is the hill I'm trying to die on this year, actually, because uh, I don't want Stephon Diggs to fall. Like right now, Debo Samuel, for example, is being drafted. Just one of a few players I think is offensive being drafted over Stephon Diggs. And the case I'm trying to make here is in 2020, he was a mid-fifth round pick in his first season, ahead of his first season with Josh Allen. And I know you in particular, Sean, were very bullish on him that offseason. Uh, and he responded with leading the league in targets, catches, and receiving yards. He was the wide receiver three in fantasy points per game. And he did so with non-existent downfield production, oddly enough. Just 9% of his targets were accrued 20-plus yards downfield. And then you fast forward to last year when everyone was improperly drafting him in the mid-first, assuming he would sustain otherworldly production. And although the volume was actually there and averaging 9.7 targets per game, that explosive downfield rate also jumped from 9%, as we talked about, to 17%. Adding to this, he was the only player in the league with 20 end zone targets as well. But he he unsurprisingly did not sustain the production on top of all that, and he finished 10th in average fantasy points at his position. And now, despite that opportunity and the results that should have come along with it, right? So we're expecting positive regression. He's now being pushed down the board behind these other individuals. And so that's what I step in and say, no effing way. Uh, you cannot tell me that Debo Samuels touched down for every 10 carries he got on fewer than five targets per game. You can't be betting on that to sustain over Stephon Diggs getting the volume and not having the production that should come with it. So I'm also making the case for Stephon Diggs genuinely as the number one overall pick and best ball million tournaments whenever they open post-draft. And that's mixing him in with the players you talked about. Sorry to go on my uh, my spiel there. No, I think that's good. And I'm going to pop this over to Sean. Sean, um, he, John did mention there, you know, I don't think there's a much bigger supporter of Stefan Diggs over his early career than, than yourself. And then obviously, if we look back to two seasons ago, 
Stefan Diggs was going kind of between the fifth and seventh round, depending on when you're being drafted. And uh, then obviously had a massive season that year, won a lot of people a lot of money in some big tournaments. And then last year, we were wondering who the next Stefan Diggs was. And that turned out to pretty much be Debo Samuel. So what's the thoughts on the Stefan Diggs being as high as that this year from, from Sean Siegel himself? Well, I mean, Stefan Diggs, the second coming of Antonio Brown. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong by taking that type of player at the top. John, that's interesting. I mean, you've got our favorite guy. You've got him up there. One of the things that Peter Overzet told us on an episode, recent episode of Stealing Bananas was that his underdog team that finished in the top 10, one of the things that he and his co-manager had done was to take a wide receiver who was going toward the end of the first round at the beginning of the first round in that draft, not the one-on-one, but very early, and then match him in with a bunch of other guys who are generally going to those picks that are like 101 to 103. And so you get a very different type of roster. Is that what you're advocating with Diggs? I, I mean, one of the things here is just obviously you could get him later if you wanted to. Right. That's what I'm advocating. Uh, and remember that since best ball season now runs and fluctuates across the off season, players are going to get pushed up the board. So right now I am drafting Stefan Diggs early. I would bet he's a top six pick, I would imagine, and does come in around the wide receiver one or two overall in some drafts. Won't always be the case with everyone, but people will start diversifying him as such to make sure they get him in drafts um, probably, I don't know, around late summer, July, August. I think uh, people will eventually catch on, like Zeke last year. I know it didn't end well, even though the first five games he was the running back three in fantasy points per game. But I think people will eventually catch on to the opportunity that was basically missed in Diggs last year and start drafting him as highly. You mentioned there as well that Diggs might be your kind of 106 range, and there appears to be kind of a first tier of players, basically six players, I don't know. For a lot of people, Diggs might just be slightly outside that. I think me and Sean are in agreement that I'm happy to take him at that point over the running backs that'll be available. In terms of the gap between the top and bottom of these drafts, historically, the win rates, obviously, and the early parts of the rounds versus the, the bottom third of the round is much more positive for the early side of things. And that's to be expected. Last year, Jonathan Taylor, though, was able to dominate from that later spot. Obviously, his ADP did tend to drop just before the season with some of the reports that were coming out around injuries on his team Carson Wentz at the time was injured and things like that um so do you think there is a clear gap after maybe pick six do you think there is a clear four six do you think there's a few more after that and then I'm going to stretch this question out do you think there is a, a pick then from spot six onwards or is, is that clearly digs for you that is the the value at that point structurally I think at least Early right now at the end of March, you should be drafting uh, an anchor RB in that position, honestly. Um, but that's only because I'm still personally waiting to see how the ADP shakes out. Uh, Dalvin Cook, remember, was accused of battery, assault, and false imprisonment by his ex-girlfriend last November. And so we have no idea what's going to happen there. He could be facing an early suspension. Uh, Tyreek Hill's ADP is still sinking out of the first round. We have no idea where it's going to adjust and also Devontae Adams, I think, should be a low-end wide receiver one. It hasn't adjusted as such yet. He's still a top five wide receiver right now. And so I'm actually just kind of waiting to see where everyone goes. And that's why I don't really have a good grasp on that thought just yet. Sean, do you have any opinions on where the drop-off is, if there is one right now? Well, I like those, like those top six guys and mixing them in. And one of the things, too, will be to see you mentioned getting a lot of diversification at the 101 It'll be interesting to see if you can get Taylor and McCaffrey outside of that. Now, I've actually seen them both go 
you know, later. But if you're trying to get the right mix in the top six, I mean, obviously, if you play three versus if you play 70, it's going to be a little bit different how you attack it. But I think to get the right amount of McCaffrey and Taylor, if you're on those guys at their ADPs, then you're going to want to take them very, very early and then mix in the receivers. And I still think that the receiving drop-off in the 3-4 range is so significant that starting out with a little bit more of a pure zero RB may work this season, depending on you know which running backs get up into the running back dead zone and, and how people play that out. But I do like the top six, and then I think that there is a, a significant break into the back half. But one of the things that Colin mentioned last year is that we saw Taylor, who you know, midsummer I wrote about as the key player for 2022, we saw him fall. Are there players who could fall or a second player beyond Diggs who in that one, two turn, and maybe even getting into the two or three, two or four, where you're already thinking to yourself, I mean, this guy is going to be the one hundred one in 2023. If Jamar chase gets lost in the luster of Justin Jefferson, as we already talked about, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, if he rises, maybe people make the case for A.J. Brown. Uh, maybe Devontae Adams sticks up there. Then I think Jamar Chase has a terrific case in the second round. We'll see We'll see what happens at the end there. Um, and the third round, I like Cam Akers a lot if you haven't drafted a running back just yet because right now he's going at the end of the third. And for someone we know is a touch-based workhorse, I just throw last year's handful of playoff games out the window like the fact that when he took over the starting job in week 12 against san francisco i believe it was his rookie year and then averaged four and a half carries from that point forward through the postseason as a dominant running back um and i understand yards per carry are not the be all end all but then to come back last year fumble twice when that isn't his iota whatsoever remember it at florida state despite being a, a workhorse despite playing behind one of the nation's poorest offensive lines he had one career fumble that's not an issue at all um and then to also average two and a half yards per carry i don't worry about cam makers injury i don't worry about his workload whatsoever it's just with shoney michelle a free agent so i'm definitely going back to cam makers as a low-end rb1 and then beyond that like the middle round guys uh, i also think they're not sexy at all, but I think Leonard Fournette and James Connors are very clear, clear winners, and they're going in the fifth or sixth. Like you can generally start your drafts with Leonard Fournette. Remember, average six targets, eighteen touches across fourteen starts last year as the workhorse for Tampa Bay, and then for James Conner in the eighth round right now is pretty insane since he averaged five and a half targets and twenty-one touches in his five games without Chase Edmonds. Whether he holds up or not. Not sure, but as we know, like chasing Will Fuller so many years, uh, we look for week-winning performances. Who cares how many games they play, assuming it's not just like one. So um, that's kind of where I'm at right now in those ranges. Hey, Rotoviz fans. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout it gives you full access to all of our content and tools and again that's rv radio 2022 at checkout for 10 percent off a one-year rotovia subscription enjoy the podcast we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You mentioned that we did talk about Leonard Fournette on the, the Tuesday show, and I was going to say you talk, you're hitting on all our guys today. I'll hold my hands up. Here's my hands been held up. Leonard Fernandez. I do admittedly listen, it. but I do not also suck up to my friends. I'm just telling you, this is where my ranges are right now. So uh, the um, yeah, Leonard Fournette is not our guy, but I, I did hint it to Sean that he may have to be this year, depending on how things play out there. But James Connor is definitely one of our guys, and it feels like that is uh, somewhere where we're going to see him rise up in terms of ADP. You did touch on it a little bit when you talked about maybe how you're going to attack some of these drafts. You mentioned Hero RB looking at the ADP as it is so far, do you think that that's going to be like a preferred strategy this year for you? You know, Sean mentioned zero RB earlier. Um, what what are you thinking rosters are going to be built on in 2022 for success? So right now, we actually just launched a new uh, underdog roster construction explorer exclusively for underdogs leagues as well. There's only 2021 data in there right now for the, the best ball million tournament, but the way it seemed last year, at least, and again, we have to parse through these things. 2020 data will be added soon, and we'll keep on going back. But right now it seemed like it was not so much anchor RB was the strategy to go. Or I'm sorry, it wasn't robust RB, but it was anchor RB was more the strategy that was the way to go. But of course, a lot of those winning teams, remember, only revolved around Jonathan Taylor, second round last year. Uh, Joe Mixon, if only because he stayed healthy, his targets weren't sticky whatsoever, uh, but he did stay healthy. Austin Eckler was a smash. Remember two years ago under Anthony Lynn, just two goal line carries, and one of them was a complete accident. They were in a two-minute drill against Buffalo, uh, 13 seconds left in the second half, and they just ran a no-huddle quarterback play no they ran a no huddle play to Eckler and he just happened to run into the goal line like they didn't they didn't even want him in the game they wanted Josh Kelly in there but then became a goal line back last year which allowed him to succeed and then Najee Harris as well anyone who got him at the second round turn because remember that was a good conversation last year was you could start Najee Harris but then also still get Justin Jefferson and then on the comeback get Adam Thielen and build your Viking stacks that way uh at the first second third round turn so Overall, um, I'm still trying to parse it and figure it out, honestly. But yeah, I think it's I'll be leaning more on Anchor RB. I know this show favors heavy wide receivers, and that's no big deal. The data also shows from last year, seven wide receivers was very fruitful. And rather than taking that eighth wide receiver, 
going a third or fourth even tight end. Those were the highest advance rates because, as we know, tight end production is so volatile. And if you're going to do that this year, honestly, the late round tight ends, it feels like we say this every year, but really we have a lot of athletes in opportune situations to play every down, more so than I can recall even the last five years. Well, we obviously love, as you mentioned, all the receivers. Michael Dubner just had a great article out on Rotovis that mentions a lot of those same things. And the thing that people think people don't necessarily realize is that every time you add a running back after your first one, you are decreasing your chances of winning, making the playoffs, advancing all of those types of things. So we're looking for either a zero RB approach or, well, we'll say modified zero RB approach because people always love when we throw that terminology in. John, what is the biggest ADP change based on free agency that the fantasy community is getting wrong. I was, I mean, I think that most of us tend to have the same reactions to these moves because it's straightforward. Who's going to benefit? Who's going to lose out? But then the advantages around the edges or maybe the key move that actually has some counterintuitive results or impact, you know, that's where you win. What do you see in terms of that that you think now can actually be exploitable over the next month, two months, or maybe even all the way through the season. Maybe people are never going to figure out this particular free agent move and what the ramifications are until we're watching in week one and at halftime, everybody's like, well, I should have drafted differently. When I view free agency, when I write about it as well, I keep the free agency tracker at four four. Uh, I like taking everything from both a personnel NFL standpoint and reality and fantasy uh, it allows me to get smarter, like both for on the field personnel wise and for fantasy stats, but also it's just fun to see like what organizations do or like fun in the opposite direction. Since so many organizations are just bad and make bad decisions that could also be fun in its own way. Uh, I think a winner both for fantasy and, and his team this year is Daniel Jones. I don't know how much it's going to catch on, if at all, since he's been such a poor thrower. But the fact that Brian Dable single-handedly, and Joe Schoen, single-handedly change this entire organization. It's it's a complete 180 from Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge. Um, and also remember, Josh Allen averaged an increased 9.1 carries per game across his last seven starts, and only 32% of those carries were actually scrambles. The remaining 68% were design runs that Dable schemed throughout the playoffs. It would have been even higher, too, if they didn't just murder the Patriots in the first half and take like scale everything back and just not run any plays whatsoever. And the one thing we know that Daniel Jones does well is scramble effectively. And so I think we're going to get a high rushing upside quarterback who's being drafted right now as a low-end QB2 in what I expect to be a better offense as long as Sterling Shepard's healthy, as long as Kenny Galladay's used properly. They've already begun shedding all the dead weight. That's the first thing they did, was basically get rid of the Judge and Gettleman era. Um, and just the fact that now we expect more positive players and a more positive scheme, and more importantly, a positive offensive line. The first thing Gettleman should have done was to protect Daniel Jones. He did not. The first thing the Giants did was go out and get Mark Glowinski, a very underrated uh, interior player, and also John Feliciano, one of my favorite swing players. I don't know if anyone in the world has favorite swing tackle players. Uh, John Feliciano has been good ac across two teams, and he reunites with Dable in New York. And so I'm very excited for him to be an interior player as well. So overall, I do think Daniel Jones was a huge winner 
in free agency, and it generally just comes down to does he play himself out of the position. But as long as he's starting, the rushing upside I think can get us there as a high-end QB2. Yeah, that's definitely interesting and uh, wasn't the angle I thought we were going to take on it, but especially when we're looking at you know, sometimes setting up these teams and these major tournaments as well. You're trying to look at places where you can get value to try and maybe get that edge when you're trying to stock up on the wide receiver talents where some of the elite tier quarterbacks are going. So Daniel Jones could be very interesting. And he is sitting on a number of my dynasty rosters. Uh, so I'm hoping that you're, you're right on that one, John. Uh, the other question I was going to follow up on, and it's very interesting. I'll let you do this, whether you want to do it from a positive or a negative perspective. Free agency has seen so many moves. And I don't think we've, probably experienced anything like what we have experienced over the last two months uh, definitely not in recent memory but when we look at some of the top end players so we would have thought that Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams you know six or eight weeks ago were absolute elite you know first round talents in terms of uh, drafting this year now we have a situation where they may have dropped down we did talk earlier in the show about how things have switched maybe from some of the wide receiver rankings after that what wide receiver move or moves do you think positively or negatively have really change the value of, of some of these these players and you know it's either looking really good for them or starting to really affect where, where you'd be thinking about taking them in drafts there are a few obvious ones like Tyreek Hill jumps out because he basically tanked assuming who you are uh, depending who you ask tanked his own prospects as well as Jalen Waddles I think Russell Gage is a really interesting one and remember at uh, last year whenever they traded Julio Jones to Tennessee. Russell Gage at one point got up to the eighth round. People were just taking the receiver who they thought would fall into the opportunity. And in the first half of the season, that didn't matter at all. It was Kyle Pitts struggling to play tight end at first, getting moved to getting moved to the slot, doing well, and then struggling to play against man coverage, and then finally learning how to do it all at the end of the season. And then Russell Gage, once Calvin Ridley got moved out of the lineup, right, um, stepped away for personal reasons in the second half of the season, that's when he really took to his own. He averaged 7.9 targets per game just by sheer opportunity, but slowly developed into a better player for it. Uh, over the second half of the season, actually averaged 2.3 yards per route run from the slot. And right now, in being drafted in the mid-12th round, the upside isn't baked in considering Chris Godwin's reported timeline is September to November. And even if Godwin does return, September to November, you then have to ask how long does it take him to fully ramp up from last year's torn ACL? And so I still think Russell Gage is a tremendous value, not only floor play, but high upside play early in the year in the mid-12th round. I think it's funny. Uh, on the other hand, it's like a double-edged sword because it is funny that people are touting him by retweeting that message to reporters Tom Brady said that he texted him 24 hours after he came out of retirement and said like Gage I want you when the only genuinely the only scouting Tom Brady ever did on Russell Gage was see him have 11 for 130 in the last month of the season and say that's the best slot receiver I've ever seen in my life that's the only time Brady ever saw Gage play nonetheless he liked him and we expect to feed him targets so I'd still do like Gage in that range I'm I'm still I'm still reeling from the the Brady and uh, <laughs> Arians situation there that 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 was their takeaway from last season and that's how they're going to play replace Antonio Brown. You're a believer in the talent though. I'm a believer he developed himself into a high floor slot receiver. Uh, explosive talent? No. Uh, remember, he was a special team standout. That's where, that's why he was on the active roster until he got thrusted into an opportunity situation in the latter half of the season. Um, I believe he's played himself into being a better slot receiver. 
where they need it most. Since, as you said, no AB, no Godwin, presumably for the first month. Well, John, who's your favorite value in the double-digit rounds right now? I've been drafting a lot of James Washington later on. Um, he's going around players as well, like after Miko Hardman and Marvin Jones with a bolstered offense around him. So other guys, I don't expect to see the same opportunity, whereas James Washington was plopped into an ideal spot. He's only logged 60% of his team snaps in 2019, just one season, across his four years at Pittsburgh. But he, even at Oklahoma State, was a downfield threat. In that one season in 2019, over 16 yards per catch on a career-high 80 targets. And now we just get to plop him into a team that has the 10th most targets missing from last season in the Cowboys and 6th most at the wide receiver position. And the good news is, vacated targets data, which I do it for four as well, it is contextual. Like uh, It changes from one mind to the next. The good thing is the Cowboys don't change their offense at all. They're the same team every single year for the last decade. And so these wide receiver targets that Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, leave over 25% of the team's opportunity in that position, uh, those go to James Washington most likely. And Michael Gallup right now, an early September timeline that's reported. I don't believe the team. And also there's still worries that perhaps he's comes back injured, has to ramp up again. So I think James Washington is in the perfect spot for what he does best. So, so, so much uh, good stuff there, John. That's going to get us towards the end of today's show, but we will have John back as well on the Saturday edition of the podcast. I'll give a quick plug to John's Twitter handle. You should be following him. You probably have heard the story before, but it's at not Jay Daigle. Obviously, uh, he is Jay Daigle, but his Twitter handle being at not Jay Daigle. So that's John on Twitter. Make sure you're following him and check out all his work over at 444, John. But as we do wrap up, is there anything else you want to know? Let the listeners know that you have coming up. You spoke about... Best ball streams right now. We do a underdog best ball stream every Thursday. It's the best ball happy hour at the four for four YouTube page with myself, pro football focuses, Ian Harditz and underdogs Hayden Wink. So join us 6 p.m. Eastern every Thursday. For folks who have been playing best ball with us, we had the really exciting FFPC listener leagues last year we're going to be doing some ffpc leagues again we're going to be doing some underdog leagues we'll have some cool underdog tools coming out in the next month if you used our roster construction explorers to dominate your leagues and some other contests you'll have a chance to do that with underdog as well we also have a great special for you if you use the code rotoviz when you subscribe at underdog you will get a match up to 100 dollars so Use Rotoviz to sign up over there. Curtis, Dave, those guys put in some massive results in Underdog last season. And so we've got a lot of folks on staff who have already played a lot of Underdog there. They'll have great content for you. Michael Dubner just published a more general best ball piece this week that it's really the perfect piece because it allows you to understand what you need to do pre-draft versus post-draft absolutely fantastic you want to check that out because some of the small elements in there and the misconceptions that people have will cause you to lose your leagues now whereas if you draft appropriately or draft following the evidence you'll be all set to dominate next month get those drafts in there now you'll be prepared to also beat the post-draft time period but you have this window where there are some exploitable opportunities you may be the next player to win one of the big tournaments with the draft you do in the next couple of weeks. 
That's awesome. And uh, as always, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is add the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout or go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for additional information. That is bringing us to the end of today's show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Ireland. And as always, my co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. And until we're back with another podcast this Saturday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.